Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Marilyn Cowley on the show. Marilyn is the CEO and founder of Prim PR and Social. And if there is someone in town whose opinion on marketing in this very complicated environment I would trust and listen to, it would definitely be Marilyn's. In this episode, we discuss internships, strategizing majors in college, old school marketing tactics, the state of email marketing, motivational speakers, the importance of habits, ballroom dancing, ethics in marketing, building a social media brand, Taylor Swift, of course, the problems and opportunities of local news, and why certain people are better in front of cameras. Please enjoy our conversation, and Baker will take us there. Fresno's best. Marilyn, why do you, where do you like to eat in Fresno? I love the limelight, and I love Anesso. Mm. I was just at Anesso last night. So I've eat, I eat at Anesso regularly because I live in that part of town, but honestly, I, I think I've been to the limelight once. What am I missing? I mean... Honestly, I think it's probably one of the best meals in Fresno. It's just, everything's great about it. Steak, fish, specials, uh, appetizers, you name it. Okay. Let's say you go there tonight. What are you going to order? I'm going to order steak, probably. I can't remember the name off the menu, but I'm going to order like a filet. What what about the vibes? Is there certain elements of the vibes that you like in a place like that? You know, I I mean, it's, it's low lights, moody... It's just, it's like the best place you can get a really good meal, I would say. It's like you leave satisfied every time you go out. There is nothing wrong with what I ate. The bread's really good too in the beginning, so. Bread is key. What's bread good about key. the bread? It's just, it's it's like if you can get a good bread and butter, I mean, that's that's like the, a winner for me. Are you the kind of person that ruins their dinner by eating too much bread? Or do you, are you are you judicious with the bread? It, it just depends on, on the self-control that day. Okay, so it's all about mood. I tend to ruin dinners regularly with the bread, which I regret when my food arrives, but I don't regret in like the long-term scope of my life that I ate more bread than I was supposed to. Right. Do you agree with my life philosophy? Yeah. Okay. I agree. What about Anesso? What do you like to order there? Oh, I love pepperoni pizza and then their Italiano salad. Mm. Well, settle a debate because I am kind of on the fence about whether I like the pizza at Annex or Anesso, and they're the same Mm. owners, but different. I think it's a different kind of pizza oven is what they told me. Do you like the pizza better at Anesso than Annex? You know, I haven't been to Annex in a while. Okay. So Um, Anesso is more your groove these days. It's more my groove, you know? I had a... I had, I think, a kale salad at, at Annex, and it turned me off, so I never oh, went back. Oh, <laughs> really? What was wrong with the kale salad? I just remember it, it tasted too much like kale. Okay, you know, that's the problem kale, with kale. You know, you want it to yeah. not taste like kale. Yeah, kale is <laughs> kale is kind of a tool, and we need to disguise it in order to consume it. Yeah, for sure. Amen. Yes. I don't want to know I'm eating it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna. I've got a bunch of different topics that I want to go through with you. Uh, stuff I'm curious about. What surprised you most about Fresno when you moved here to go to Fresno State? I would say the community, because I'm from the Bay Area, where it's just a lot of transplants, hustle and bustle. You're nobody's that friendly. You come to Fresno, and it's just everybody knows everybody, even though it's such a huge town, and it's very community-focused. Everyone's looking for an organization to join, a club to join. So it's just, and you don't see that in the Bay Area. So Mm. I think for me, I was very taken aback on, wow, 
this place is just very community centric and plus to the Fres- Fresno State football and everyone's really centered around that too mm-hmm. which I thought is neat because in the Bay Area I mean yes you've got your your big league 49ers etc but not nothing like a college town it feels mm-hmm. very college town what if someone came up to you and said oh, I'm at Fresno City College and I'm about to transfer to UC Berkeley what would you tell them about living in the Bay Area I would say obviously it's very expensive I'd say it's can be very dirty, you know, depends where you're going to live in Berkeley. <laughs> you're going to get a lot of culture, very diverse. You're going to be able to, I feel like in the Bay Area, there's so many things to do. That's the biggest thing. Everyone goes to Fresno, there's nothing to do. And if you move out of Fresno, you got a lot of stuff to do. So you're always going to have something to do. You can probably walk wherever you need to go. Mm. Is that true? Or is that just people that live here and get bored with the things that they have? That's a great point. That could be it. But, you know, I think we could both agree that like San Diego, LA, the Bay Area, there's, there is a lot more going on. Right. There's a lot more events. There's a lot more get togethers. There's the ocean that's right there. The mountains right there. So of course we are close to that too, but I feel like it's more accessible. Okay. One of the things you did at Fresno State is you did some uh, study in nutrition. What is your least popular belief about nutrition? Great question. I would say that, you know, what the, what is it? The CDC puts together in regards to, you know, eating your, your grains and your veggies and your meats and yada, yada. I have, I'm very big on what you put into your body is all fuel for your body. So if you're going to eat a bag of chips, chips were not made from the earth. So technically it's not supposed to be going inside of you. I mean, yes, you can argue the, the potato, that's fine. If they're pure potato chips with no, let's say, uh, oils on them that have to do with like corn or anything like that Mm. healthy chips healthy chips but i think anything you can get from you know the earth that is what's supposed to go into your body it's like Mm. it's almost common sense and i get irritated when people try to argue with me i'm like it's common sense the earth grew it for you to eat it like whole foods is what whole foods yes yeah so i don't believe i mean yes balance balance is is key and you should be able to enjoy life but if you want to get super technical here anything you put in your body should be fuel and be able to be utilized by your body Mm. in some way. When you're at Fresno State, I I read that you had a number of internships, Mm. which seemed like a lot when I read it. Mm. Do you think that the heyday of internships is kind of gone? When I talk to Gen Z, sometimes they're like, I just want to get paid. Mm -hmm. Do you think the unpaid internship is ready to be buried? And do you think that's a good thing? I don't think it's a good thing. I think I think you're right in that a lot of the people that we even interview lack that drive that I feel like people used to have. We're not getting as many people wanting to apply. They come there with so many expectations and I'm like, "Well, what's what's your value?" You know, like you come to me, you want this. Well, what are you going to bring to the table? But yeah, I do think that, you know, and a lot of people do want to get paid. I did I think it was like 5 unpaid. But my mentality was, this is going to make me look a lot better than anyone else applying for this job because Mm -hmm. I already have a ton of experience doing so many other things. So why wouldn't I just do this to get unpaid college credit? Yeah. Right? It's like a no-brainer. Yeah. And I do think that there's something to be said for when companies take advantage of people. And that's not what we're talking about. I think what, you know, and people don't think about it this way, when you go to a university, you're going into debt to get training. Mm. If you're in an unpaid internship, it's neutral. You're not getting paid, but you're also not going into debt. So in some ways, if you can kind of compare it laterally, it makes sense if you can get some valuable skills from that and not go into debt. But 
I think people's model now is that I'm deserving of something, mm-hmm. you know, and that maybe is true in maybe a philosophical sense, but like practically, if you have no skills, like why, why, why would a business want to pay you for something? So it seems complicated. What are your thoughts? And I agree. It's, it's like, if you come to me and you have no skill sets, it's, it's a job for me. Like why, why would I want to take my time? You know, that's my, that's my philosophy. It's like, why am I paying you when you have, you don't know anything about the job. But if you came to me and you said, Hey Marilyn, I, I did pro bono for my family's restaurant. I did social media. And then I did a a course on Canva and look at all these graphics I created. And you know what? I did this and I did that. And I'd say, you know what? Okay, cool. You deserve to be paid because you're bringing value, Mm. right? I'm not having to spend so much time to teach you how to, you know, do some copywriting and that, you know, or or create a graphic. Yeah. It's just, I'm like a believer of Google, Google. I mean, it's there. Don't, you know, like it's just lazy for me. And if you, let's say you have, let's say it's your business, you put someone in charge of training interns, you're paying that person that's training interns. So you're spending money investing in these interns. They don't maybe see it that way because maybe they're not getting a paycheck, but as a business owner, you're spending the money to train them. And then that's a skill that they're going to take with them and go find another job. Right? So it's, it's, (laughs) I, I don't want to sound like, I kind of sound like my parents right now, like Mm -hmm. be grateful for your internships or something. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is people's frame of reference sucks when it comes to internships and it needs to be readjusted. If you need money, go get a job, right? Yes. Uh, There's plenty of like low skill jobs out there that you can, you know, that you can find and will help you pay the bills. And, but if, if you have the privilege to be able to do an internship, I think it's valuable. I think it, even though it's kind of going away. Last question about Fresno State. Do you think enough students live on campus there? I, you know, that's one I really don't know. I never lived on campus because I was okay. a transfer. Okay. A part of me felt like I really missed that opportunity, and yeah. I would have. That's kind of what time. I was asking in some ways. Is like, is there enough campus culture? Did it feel like it? Because I went to San Francisco State, and it was very much a commuter that's school. That's a commuter school, yes. And in some ways, Fresno State is kind of a little bit of both. Yes. And what was what was what was the campus life like for you? Maybe outside of football, because football kind of, that does bring the community together, but just day to day. So when I got there and I had the opportunity to go to Fresno State, but I knew it was a commuter school. So I said, yeah. I, I just don't want it because I don't want that culture. But with Fresno State, I said, all right, I'm gonna have to join a sorority. Okay. So I think that really helped. Mm. Joining a sorority made me feel like I had some purpose, part yeah. of something. So I joined clubs, sorority. So I had this, I felt very immersed in the culture and just everything going on, which I loved. So, and if you don't do that, I don't think you get that experience and it does feel like a commuter school, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. And maybe that's the experience you want. Yeah. And some people just want to live at home, go to school, work a job. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to jump into a bunch of marketing and branding topics. We'll start with kind of old school marketing. So of the old school types, you know, direct mailers, radio advertisements, which of those do you think, not those two, but of that variety, do you think still have relevance to, for today? So, you know, the modern ones are, you know, social media, different kind of email marketing, stuff like that. Which of the old school do you feel, still think works? It's interesting because I do think a lot of those old school tactics do work, but I think it depends on your business and who you are. So like radio ads, everyone like, says radio ads are dying, but who's listening to radio ads, right? Like that's, if that's your target market, then you need to be on radio. Mm. Direct mailers, I think they work when it catches your attention and if it's funny, 
Yeah. I'll say, I'll tell a client, especially like our solar one, I'll go, let's do a direct mailer, but it better be funny and it's going to have Santa Claus jumping into a pool. Yeah. Because that's going to stop you and say, oh, what is this? I'm not going to throw it out. Yeah. Or maybe it's cut into a different shape. So when someone grabs it out of their mailbox, it's like, oh, what is this? Why does this look like a triangle and it's not a rectangle? Mm. So it always has to be a little bit different for me if we're going to do like old school tactics, I would say. I see. So it's less about what it is, but the quality and, you know, the effort you put into doing it right. Right. Okay. Do you think the essential skill of marketing is just telling really good short stories? I wish it was that easy. Okay. Why is it not that? just that? Because people's attention spans are just, they're, they're short, but they're everywhere. Like it's just, unless you can grab someone's attention and, and that story really influence them so profoundly that they want to be a part of your business and buy from you, then that's great. But it's like, you have to have so many different touch points and do so many different things in different campaigns. It's not just about your story, but it's about how can your campaign catch someone's attention as well. Mm. So I just think there's just so many things involved. Short video, obviously, as we know, is, is huge and big yeah. and you have to, everyone has to do that. But you can't, I can't sit here and say, oh yeah, this one client that just does short video and ha- puts their story out is extremely successful. No, they've got to do all these other things. Mm. What makes Trader Joe's marketing so effective? That you can only get Trader Joe's at Trader Joe's. Okay. So it's the exclusiveness of it? <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's, so it's not about their kind of marketing, it's about their product offerings and them being exclusive? I don't even feel like they really market. I can only tell you maybe on Instagram, I follow But it's recognizable, them. right? So it it's, is recognizable. It's the branding is at least recognizable. So what makes the branding effective? I think the quality products and the fact that they have certain products mm. and that they're so good and unique. Yeah. That's why I go to Trader Joe's. I go, oh, I really want this uh, squash yeah, because they have it. Yes. Yeah. Right? And I don't mm. want to go looking anywhere else just because I know it's always there. Yeah. There's some dark chocolate pretzels and we're also in eggnog yes. season, which we won't talk about. because <laughs> Which car company do you think has the most effective marketing campaigns? Hmm. Mm, I would say... Gosh, what's the F one fifty? I don't. Even, I can't even. <laughs> yeah. So Ford. Ford. Okay. Yeah. What What makes them effective? I do think they relate a lot to the past and their you know mm. strong roots of being the first car company in the nostalgia. U.S. The nostalgic yeah. aspect okay. of it. I think that's that's what gets me. Okay. What assumptions might you bring to a marketing program if you knew you were marketing specifically to women? I would assume they're very emotional, so I'd play on emotions think about important people in their life, maybe children, you know, most women obviously have children or mother figures, grandmothers, fathers, things like that. I would, I'd be more cutesy, aesthetic, girly, because that's every woman, just that stuff catches your attention. You Mm. see some cute colors, a cute packaging, you're going to do it. Mm. You're going to buy. You have a staff. Do the best marketing ideas emerge in groups or from individuals? Definitely groups, but it's from individuals' ideas. Okay. So it starts at the individual and then it's like crystallized in the group, kind of? Yeah. It's someone says something, your wheels start turning, and then you say something, and then that person says something, and then you ultimately go, oh, that's a great idea. So how do you create a culture in an agency to support that? I'm very real and transparent, and even with our interns, I go, in the nicest way possible, I won't know you exist unless you speak. And you need to speak. And this is a very welcoming, inviting culture. You're going to get as much out of it as you put into it. And so I always am telling everyone, offer up ideas. I go, no idea is a bad idea. I think I'm just, 
and I never shoot anyone down and I think everyone trusts me. And mm -hmm. so they just know I can say whatever I want to say Yeah. and Marilyn's going to take that and she might spin off of it. Cause I rather have you speak. Otherwise I'm sitting there and going, okay, I, I run out of ideas. I can't yeah. just run this agency yeah. by myself. Yeah. We only have so many neural connections. That's why we, have, we need other people to help us. Um, what is your response to people that say that the marketing industry struggles with ageism, that it primarily focuses on hiring young people and doesn't reach out to, you know, potential older employees? I could see that. I could see it. Uh, because I think there's a stigma that older marketing employees aren't receptive to newer marketing strategies. So who's the oldest person you have on staff? I would say 35. 36 okay 36 if someone that was 65 applied how would you think about what they would need in order to be successful and I really I don't care about age gender yeah. but you've got to we go through the same interview process with everyone and you've got to I've got to see the value and what you would bring to the table for the job description that we need so it's, I think they just, it's like, okay, hey, I understand you can do this, but you have to realize, and they, and a lot of older people just hate social media and they're all going to say it. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, I hate social enough. media. Yeah, I hate it too. I hate we it. all hate it. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the unspoken truth. And I tell, you know, I work with high school students and they're just on it constantly. And whenever I say, oh, I hate it, they just look at me like, oh God, like eye rolling, like I, I am a boomer now type thing. And I'm like, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just, I can't stand it, but I love it for my clients. It's great. Yeah. But you know, if you're older, you have to, you have to either fake it till you make it and say you love social media or you have to actually love it because I feel like there's just, oh, everything's always going to come back to social media and digital ads. And if you are old and in your ways of, I believe the old stuff works, you're, yeah. there's no potential there. Okay. Let's say a young sprightly miniature version of you, Marilyn 17 comes to you and says, I'm going to go to Fresno state and I'm going to double major in marketing and one other thing. What should I, what should be my other major? Gosh, I, I would say, what is, what are you passionate about? Okay. What do you enjoy learning about? Okay. I enjoyed nutrition and I was caught, everyone calls me the witch doctor. Cause it's like, if you're sick, I'm putting together some type of a meal <laughs> with some herbs and you're going to take, that. you're going to have your tinctures ready for them. If I didn't do marketing, I'd be probably like a holistic nutritionist, okay. I would say. Okay. So it should be, cause I, I've had this similar discussion with people around journalism where we have a, like a lot of young journalists and the recommendation is become an expert in one field. Mm. So then you can, cause Journalism is kind of like a broad thing where you can approach it in a lot of different ways. And it seems like marketing is similar that like it would be nice if you're working in a marketing agency and you knew about science, for example, mm. and could be like a really effective marketer for ag or pharmaceuticals or whatever. And so is that kind of how you would think about it or just something that just strikes their passion? I did the passion route, but I think if you were to do anything to complement would be psychology. Mm, yeah. And that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Are motivational speakers the greatest marketing geniuses? Because what are they selling other than just their ideas? Right. There's, yeah, I believe they are the greatest marketing geniuses. They're great at just speaking in front of a crowd and making them believe mm. whatever they're saying. And they make hundreds of millions of dollars selling their courses or whatever, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, incredible. It's uh, incredible. What is the state of email marketing? I hate my inbox so much. My spam folder's insane. I subscribe to, God, like endless sub stacks that just sit there like waiting to be read and never get read. Just there's so much in there. It's like noise. Do you think email marketing still makes sense today? 
And how would you like, if a client came to you saying something similar to what I just said, how would you assure them that it still works? I love email marketing. Okay. Yeah. I think it totally works, but what's your strategy behind it? Mm. And you know, we've got one client that has 25,000 subscribers, 70 to 80% open rate. Oh, wow. That's, That's incredible. Insane. insane. So then I'm sitting there and going, we've got 20,000 people opening our email. What else can we be delivering to them? What could we be saying? Yeah, yeah. I think it's all in your headline. Like, I love a good headline. If, if it, you can make me open it, I'm mm. going to read it. So I firmly believe in email marketing. I believe every business should be doing it, but you never want to spam people. It's like once or twice a month unless, you know, it's unique situations. Yeah. But I, I firmly believe in email marketing. So, yeah, like, so I just recently, you know, because... I'm getting old. I'm not getting old. I'm 34, but I'm getting older. And I, so I got, I, a few years ago, I broke my femur skiing and the way they did the surgery was kind of barbaric such that my knee has some issues when I run and I'm a runner and I like to run. So I got this like flexibility training program to like, you know, help me kind of work through some of my knee pain. And the guy sends me, like I signed up for his course, the online course, and I get an email like five times a week from him, like with like suggestions and new courses that I might be interested in. And it's just like, it feel like I'm inundated to the point where now, like he emails so much that I ignore them now on purpose. Is that kind of what you're describing where people like think that like the consumer wants all of this information, but really we just want occasional quality pieces. Absolutely. It's, I say, I always tell everyone in, in from social to email, never put something out to any customer unless there is value. What are you, what's the value you're providing? Mm -hmm. If the email's got so much value that it just makes sense to send it, send it. But if, it, if you can put all those five emails into one email once a week or once every two weeks, then you should be doing that because mm -hmm. he should look at his unsubscribe rate and I'm sure it's pretty high. Yeah. So maybe the approach for him would be take all of those things from those five emails you sent me this week and put them all in one email on Friday or something like yes. that. And then I'd be like, Ooh, I get my Friday treat. Grow the hype. Cause it's like, I'm the same way with dessert. You know, if I have dessert every night, it's less meaningful, but if I have it once a week, it's more, let's say I gave you the choice you get either. And this is paid for by me, a 32nd ad during the Super Bowl, mm. or a 32nd ad during a Mr. Beast YouTube video, which would you choose and why? Similar, similar watch rates. I mean, Mr. Beast regularly brings in 100 to 125 million views on one of his videos, which is about the Super Bowl viewer. What do you think? Funny story. I was in a Super Bowl commercial. You were. Okay. I was, but it was localized, so it okay. was Chuck Chansey. Okay. And I always remember where everyone's, it was like a huge group of people. There was like 50 people at a house. We're all huddled around watching the Super Bowl. Commercials come on. I'm, you know, waiting. I'm like, I'm going to be on one of these commercials, <laughs> right? It pops up. I see it and I'm looking and nobody is watching. And I'm like, hello, anybody. Uh, hello, I'm on TV. Like let's, and everyone's doing their own thing. Hmm. And so I guess I'm biased because people aren't, I don't know. People were not watching my commercial and they hmm. had no real interest unless it's like, and I think too, it matters where it is in the timing. I think they said something about like later commercials are better. I don't know. Okay. But nobody was watching the commercials. Mm. So that being said, YouTube, I'd definitely go, I'd go with Mr. Beast for yeah. sure because that stuff's living in there as well. So people are constantly able mm. to watch it. So I've got a lot more chances. So it's evergreen as opposed evergreen. to, yeah, as opposed to just a once, one hit wonder. Once. Yeah. And like, I'm definitely the person that shuffles to snacks 
in between commercials. I mean, then, you know, some of the commercials, it, I feel like that maybe you and I lived through that generation where the commercials are like so fun and like mm. we would sit through them. But I think f- people are kind of ad inundated these days where they don't have that same like, ooh, the commercials are going to be exciting. Do you pay for YouTube premium or whatever so you can avoid the ads? Or do you still watch ads? I don't. We do have YouTube TV though. Okay. But I don't have the YouTube pr- premium. Okay. Fun fact, when back in the day when we couldn't skip commercials. Yeah. And I'd, and I'd be younger and I'd have to take a shower. I always knew I had a good two and a half minutes. <laughs> you so, have a two and a half minute shower? It was like, oh okay. yeah. I, to this day, like if you tell me to take a shower, I am in and out. Because it's like, I was just, I trained myself. I cannot miss the next episode, That's incredibly you know? fast. Uh, I know. You teach my wife. <laughs> okay. What's one area you've changed your mind in the marketing field? Something that you came in the industry believing and now you think differently? Ooh. I would say that every idea you have works. I think that's a slap in the face when... And I think if you were to ask my team, they would say, Marilyn comes up with these crazy ideas. Sometimes we run with them, sometimes we don't. But I think I, I take a lot of pride in my ideas and I'm like, it's, it's gonna work. That, mm-hmm. This is the feeling it's gonna invoke. It's gonna lead them to the website. We're gonna get all these sales. And then if for some reason it doesn't work, it's like, man, I guess that wasn't, it didn't hit the mark. Mm-hmm. Also just, I think too organic. I thought organic could be better, but over the years, Organic's just dead and it sucks to have to tell clients that all the time where we have this badass video we created, we took these badass photos, however, no one's really gonna see this unless you put some money behind it. Yeah. It's yeah. a harsh reality. Okay. Last one on the marketing section. This is a little more serious related to ethics. What is today's cigarettes? You know, there's a great film called Thank You for Smoking, where it followed a kind of a marketing exec that worked for one of the cigarette companies. And it raised questions about like things that we should spend money marketing. So how do you think about ethics in the marketing field? And what do you think is something that's marketed today that we will look on 50 years from now and go, ooh. Hmm. Gosh. Ethics in the marketing field. Like, could you market anything? Like, is there a line for you? Oh, okay. I just thought of this this one. Because we have an office in San Diego. We had outreach from Trojan Condoms. Okay. Perfume. Oh. They have a perfume. Oh, interesting. And <laughs> they What said, is the scent? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. What is the scent? So they reach out, and I, and at first I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, we've got Trojan condoms reaching out. Like, yeah, what that's is a this? Big, that's a big deal. Huge. Yeah. So we go through a few conversations with the owners of the perfume, and how it works is it's it's a perfume company that works with Trojan and bought the rights to Trojan, right? And so they co-market it together. The way that they were currently marketing it was so raunchy and disgusting. Hmm. And because it was Trojan condom, they thought, well, that we can we can push those boundaries, but I'm just like, who is this target market you're trying to hit? Because it's just a nasty one, and I don't really know yeah. where you're going to find those people. Yeah. Um, and but they and I, I ultimately went into a proposal with them, and I said, if this is direction you want to keep, I go, I'm not. This is not the right firm for you because mm. we're not. I'm not going to have my team on mm. Instagram posting what you're posting right now. It's just yeah. not okay. Yeah. And I do think I think that's like they're going to get canceled because of it. And then how they're marketing. So I guess for me, that's just like one example that's pretty fresh on my mind where it's it's a big no-no. Okay. 
All right, the next section is called overrated versus underrated. I'm going to throw a bunch of things at you, and you tell me whether you think they're over or underrated and why. Uh, so we'll start with an easy one. Figs, are they over or underrated? Underrated. I actually put on the California Fig Festival in 2015. I'm aware of this, so tell me why figs are underrated. Because they're delicious. I think th- okay. I, I love What's figs. the best way to eat them? I, I just love eating them solo or with like honey cheese on a cracker. Mm. Green or purple? Purple. Okay, why purple? They just, I think they're sweeter, taste a little mm-hmm. bit better. Tiger, I think it's tiger figs. Mm-hmm. I love tiger figs too. They're a little bit harder to find. They have stripes. Those are great too. Okay, next one. So this is kind of emblematic, but the book Atomic Habits, but really just business people's obsession with habits. Hmm. You think that obsession is over or underrated? Oh boy, I think underrated. I love habits. I love, Okay. yeah. What's one habit that you have that you think other people should do? I think I, per- I personally love waking up in the morning and, and saying everything that I'm grateful for. Mm. I would say that's a great habit to have. I think it puts me in a lot better mood and I'm ready to start the day. Yeah. And that's sounds cheesy, but <laughs> gratitude is important. Yes. Absolutely. Next one. The impression that people got of marketing from the show Mad Men. Is the show Mad Men over or underrated? I never watched Mad Men. Never watched Mad Men. Okay. I know. I know. Maybe. But I've heard it. It was amazing and yeah, great. That might be on your to-do list. Okay. Next one. The Foxtrot. Underrated. I love ballroom dance. Okay. So why is the Foxtrot underrated in particular? I mean, I think I'm biased. If you ask me anything about dancing, I love all of the different dances. Okay. Foxtrot was one of the first ones I learned in my ballroom class. Okay. So is, is there, what is the most challenging ballroom dance to learn? Mm, I would say cha-cha. Cha-cha is pretty difficult, but it's all about the technique, right? So you can okay. get the steps, but if you don't have the technique, you're, I mean, and I want to be a competitive ballroom dancer, which mm. I'm working on. It's like, if I can't nail that down, I've got nothing. So okay. I can get the steps all day, but if the technique's not there, the locking mm. of your ankles and your knees and the quick steps, it's just Okay. Mess. So obviously the follow-up is, what do you think about the show Dancing with the Stars? I love it. Okay. One day I'm manifesting, I'll be on it. Okay. I, I believe it. <laughs> Next one, local TV news, over or underrated? I think it's underrated. I think, again, I'm, I'm biased. I've got a lot of good friends on TV. Okay. okay. But, again, I think it could be overrated. There's so much terrible news where it's yeah. just, I sometimes wonder, I'm like, why why is this even around? Let's talk about happier stuff. Yeah, and we'll come back to a question where I make you the czar of local TV. Next one, <laughs> Taylor Swift as a businesswoman. Mm, I think she's overrated. Okay. Overall, music and her business approach? It's hard because she's, I mean, she's smart. Look at the empire she's built. I know, built. it's incredible. It's incredible. Everyone wants to be Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. But it's, I don't think she's as good as everyone makes her out to be. Okay, so you don't have a friendship bracelet or whatever? I don't. And okay. I'm a little jealous she got Travis Kelsey, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next one. And this is one I ask everybody and is always fun to ask because you're an out-of-towner like me. Me and Ed's pizza. I think it is underrated. I actually like me and Ed's, but I know a lot of people that don't. Mm, you're rare because most people that move here are like, what is this? And it takes time. How long have you lived here? Nine years. Okay. So more than me. So it takes time to, I think it took me two or three years to really get the bug in me, the parasite, but now it's, it's, you got it. it's not going away. <laughs> all right. This one for all our Gen Zers, building your social media brand over underrated. I, I, I think it's underrated again because I think there's a lot of successful people from building their brand on social media 
Okay. So and it's, it's underrated because <clears throat> it works. Because it works. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not doing it, you should. It just takes a lot of confidence and a lot of time. Okay. For our you know, seniors that are applying for college, transferring from a junior college, is that over or underrated? Underrated. I did that. Okay. I think it was great. You save a lot of money. Okay. I mean, that's... Do it. Are there any downsides to it from your perspective? I mean, losing out on that, moving into the dorms, mm. meeting your friends freshman year, yeah. growing with them for four years, that's what you would lose out on. But, you know, I think it was easier to transfer. You save money. I mean, I I can't speak enough on it. I think it's great. Yeah. I So I went to, I didn't transfer, but I went to San Francisco State, which is a big commuter school and didn't didn't live in the dorms, just moved into a part, wild apartment in San Francisco and just went on my way. And my wife kind of did the opposite. She went to Fresno Pacific and lived in the dorms all the time. And I think we both acquired different assets from that. She acquired like a really cool group of friends. I, you know, I made friends too, but in different ways. And I acquired some grit of like living in an apartment with older people and like having to adjust. And so I, I think there's uh, probably arguments for both. I'd probably do what I did over again. Would you do what you did over again? Yeah, I loved it. Okay. I loved it. It was, And I went to a great junior college as well. That okay. made me feel like I actually was going to college because I was so immersed in the culture. I was on the dance team, on the tennis team, knew all the football players. So it's almost like you felt like I, you yeah. were going to a college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. On that one, another food place that's uh, Fresno specific and across the street, Doghouse Grill. Overrated. Yeah. There's the first overrated. Okay. Why is it overrated? <laughs> <laughs> it's good, but it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm never... I guess I just don't go, oh my gosh, I need to go to Doghouse Grill. Like I, yeah. I'm craving Doghouse Grill. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The food's good, but I think it, the hype around it is overrated. Yeah, I agree. Uh, two more. Um, the show Selling Sunset. I love that show. Okay. Okay. So, is, <laughs> but is it properly rated, I guess, because people do like it? It means it's a popular show. Mm-hmm. It's a popular show. I think it's a bit too scripted though, a bit. Yeah. So I, I feel like, I guess I could say it is a bit overrated. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a, little, yeah. a lot of drama, but I mean, that's why people, I guess, watch it, right? They love yeah. the drama and what's going on. All <laughs> right. Last one. Cooking competition shows. Hmm. I think they're overrated. It's like you're watching people cook food and you're not eating it. Yeah. What's your favorite cooking show? Do you watch those? N- okay. I don't, I don't, I don't watch too much TV because I believe that yeah. it can be a waste of my time. I couldn't agree more. And that's maybe the habit we should be advocating. All right. <laughs> two more sections before we close the books. Some quick questions about developing your own business. How can you tell the difference between a side hustle and a future full-time small business? Mm -hmm. Obvious at the start or is it something that grows with time? I think it's one of those things that grows with time. Okay. When did you know yours was a full-time business versus a side hustle? I think I went into it thinking this was going to be full-time business. I didn't think of it as a side hustle. Is that a good approach to like say, I, this will be my business because some people approach it like I'm going to make a little side cash. And then never do what it takes to launch. Yeah, I think if you go into it with, this is my full-time gig, you put your heart and soul into it. Mm. And I had it during my, when I started Prem, I had a side hustle, which was my TV show. So that was my extra cash on the side. For that one, I mean, I guess I thought maybe it'll grow into something bigger, but I quickly realized I didn't want that to be any bigger. Mm. I liked where it was Mm. and it was a passion and I was still making money doing it while I had my own business. Mm. Okay. How have your thoughts changed since COVID about office space? Do you think it's still valuable and are there, is the cost worth what you get out of it? 
I think COVID totally changed the game. I mean, I'm, if you were to ask me, I'm fine working from home all day, every day, but mm. I realize my team wants to get together and it's mm. healthy for us to be together. So that's why I do have an office space where we can all collaborate. I think commercial buildings are struggling for sure because everyone has that same mentality, but I think you can't, I think it's a bit overpriced for what it is, but I, I think people are trying to recoup their money right now from mm. COVID. Okay. Is effective business management just a matter of time and relationships, or do you think it's something that can be taught? Effective business management. So you have um, a team of employees that you have to manage. Do you think the skills that you now have managing them were something you could have been taught or read in a book, or is it something that you kind of experience and grow with? Definitely experience and grow with. I just, okay. it's, I constantly think back on my managing skills years ago compared to now and how much healthier they are and everyone you know stays nobody wants to leave which i love and just thinking about everything that i've done differently as a manager where i'm just a bit more involved very personal always checking in on them always saying you know whatever you need i'm here it's just it's a different dynamic and culture where i feel like we're all a bit more intertwined than we used to i feel like when i started my business it was like all right do your work. I'll talk to you later, you know, and then we'll all come back. But yeah. now it's just, it's, it's a lot more intertwined. Do you think businesses allocate sufficient funds to marketing? No, they don't. Okay. What, what is your ideal percentage devoted to marketing? I always say between like two and 10%. Two and 10%. What would lead someone to go to the top end of that? If they've got a lot of funds okay, and they want to be the best on the market, okay, you have to dedicate that mm. if you want to be the, the biggest and the baddest. Mm. Okay. Um, l let's say you're at a business development conference and we're talking about Fresno and small businesses. What's one thing the city could change to make it more friendly to business? To small businesses? Mm -hmm. mm, I would say maybe hosting more small business community focused events, but it sucks because a lot of these smaller businesses, like we're very spread out, right? Like when you look at us as a whole, there's not a huge collection of small businesses, especially like in downtown. Like I know everyone's trying to revitalize downtown, which I don't know will ever really happen at this point, not in our lifetime, but putting more money back into them because it's just the last thing you want to see is a small business close because they allow all these bigger businesses come in, mm -hmm. you know? So keeping those people out, what I think would allow a lot for these smaller businesses to flourish. Okay. Um, do you think consultants who don't work for big agencies, let's say marketing consultants, do you think they charge enough? Mm. Do people undersell themselves when it comes to marketing consulting? I think they do. I think, I think I do. Yeah. Why do you do that? I think for me, I love, I just love the hustle and the chase and just the creativity that goes into helping someone. And I love to help people and businesses. And so when someone comes to me that owns a business that has a problem because they want to reach this goal and they don't know how to get there. It's just so much fun for me to think like, okay, you could be doing this, 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 and this campaign to get it moving. So mm. of course I'd love to charge a premium price, but I think since all these marketers undersell themselves, you come in at a high price. It's like, well, I'll, what the heck? I don't want to pay that. Mm. Everyone else is charging this. Mm. What do you think makes people effective in front of cameras? I used to think, you know, just physical attractiveness, but then you have like actors like Philip Seymour Hoffman, RIP, who just kind of look like regular schmoes, but are really effective as like, you know, big screen actors. Mm. And so what do you think makes someone effective? I would just say their, their delivery on their words. Okay. So their charisma. Or, yeah. The charisma, how right. they deliver it, what emotion are they trying to invoke? Okay. Okay. So, so 
kind of physical attractiveness shouldn't be a prerequisite for someone being on TV, for example. Yes and no, because everybody loves to see someone good looking. Yeah. It's just, it's human nature. Yeah. Yeah. Right? What matters more, the number of followers you have or who those followers are? Who those followers are. Okay. So you'd rather take a thousand quality followers than 10,000. Eh. 10,000 looks sexy, but yeah. if you're wanting results, it just doesn't matter. It's all okay. about the engagement. Okay. So, so a quality follower is someone that clicks on your stuff effectively. Clicks right? on your stuff, gets behind your brand, purchases yeah. from you, wants to know what you're talking about. Yes. Okay. Do you read the comments in posts? Absolutely. Okay. All the time. Is it toxic? <laughs> hmm. And is how do you? Not it's entertaining. Allow, how do you not allow that to affect your psyche? You know, I don't let a lot affect my psyche. So okay. for and it's uh, I'm one of those people that I always have to tell my team like you can't take that to heart. Please don't yeah. take that personally. I mean, yeah, this is yeah, some yeah. Joe Schmo that who knows what he's doing. He's so bored, right? He's saying yeah, this. Yeah, so even yeah. clients, I always tell clients you got to step away and back off. If you see a com comment you don't like, yeah, because you respond out of emotion where we respond out of, you know, strategy. Yeah. I do think there is an element, you know, I try to be empathic in my life with people, but when it comes to comments, I have to do the opposite. I just have to go like, you don't matter, right. you know, because I think if we take seriously all the trolls, you know, we just get so wrapped in that. And so many people struggle with that, including myself. You know, I struggle sometimes with some of the comments or feedback I'll get on this podcast, for example. And I'll be like, because I really do want to make something that people like. But then I have to remind myself that what they're saying is not going to change what I do. You know, I mean, if they, you know, the real feedback that I get that matters is when people send me an email, like something where they took time to give me feedback and say, I like your show, but here's something I would add, or your show bothers me for these reasons. And if it's thoughtful, then I'm like, okay, I want to engage. But if it's someone just like a couple middle finger emojis and say, you shouldn't have had Marilyn on because she, you know, eats whole foods and does it like chips, <laughs> you know, know, I mean like, well, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know. Agreed. No, I, I totally agree. You can't take that stuff to heart. You don't know what they're going through. They could have stumbled upon the podcast. You don't know why they did. They're angry that day. People just let the emotions get the best of them. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Which is maybe another reason why people should consider psychology with marketing when they're majoring. Absolutely. So they can understand what makes people tick. Get into their brain. Okay. Last question before book recommendations. If you were the czar of local TV news, what's one thing you would add and one thing you would subtract? I would add more local business highlights. Okay. That has gone away in the last few years. That was my show. Okay. Most every station stopped that. Why do you think they stopped that? There's no money. Okay. There's no money in it, unfortunately. And the only show that has brought it back recently is ABC 30. Because okay. one of my good friends, Vanessa, hosts it. And okay. she gets to highlight small businesses. But they're really the only ones that brought it back. But I remember back in the day, I mean, we had a lot of small business hosts and it was amazing and everyone loved it and they'd wake up in the morning to it, but they took it out because it wasn't making money. And then I was, so I'd add, add that back in and I would take out just always leading with so much terrible news. Gosh, I hate it so much. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I get why they do it because it keeps people like, oh, you know, it's kind of like that. Have you seen that movie Nightcrawler? 
That's mm. uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. And he's like, goes around and films and then he starts like making crimes, you yes. know, and manufacturing them. And so I get it, like in terms of like what will catch people's eye. But this kind of goes back to our discussion about like marketing ethics, right? Like at what point, and I think that local news needs to consider that. And I, I, I get why they don't, but as a consumer, I, I don't watch it because of that. So they're losing me. Right. I really don't watch it either. Yeah. I'll only watch Vanessa because she's my girlfriend and, and I like her, <laughs> like her show. But yeah. otherwise, I just have no desire. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're going to close with book recommendations. What are two or three books you'd recommend to listeners? I love, from a marketing perspective, Marketing Made Simple. Okay. If you've ever read that one, it's a very easy read Mm -hmm. and really explains marketing very simply and how humans are and just the psychology and, you know, what's going to catch their attention. Okay. And I love the book, uh, I think it's 10X with Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you need some motivation, just yeah. just listen or read the 10X and you're going to be like, you know what, let's go. Let's get this started. <laughs> Is it better consumed as an audio book? I do most audio for okay. everything okay. just because I, I drive a lot too. So it's just always playing. Mm, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, to close, can you tell us a little bit about where you're located, your business, uh, some of the services you offer and who, you know, if you're, someone's thinking about marketing, how should they start? Yes. We have offices in Fresno and San Diego, and I have been in business coming up on seven years here. We started in 2017. We work with a lot of medium to large sized businesses. I'd say that's really our niche these days. Social media, public relations, digital marketing. We put on a lot of different events. Not my huge favorite, but we do it. It's just a lot of work and branding strategy. You know, we, I don't like to say full service, but we really are. Cause I can't sit here and say, just do, you know, social media and PR. Mm. There's so many other things that happen with marketing. And I think we have a lot of fun and just building the strategy around it and then saying, okay, this is what we want to do. And now we're going to execute it. Mm. So just sit back and relax because we got this. Got it. And what are you working on next? What's one project you're excited about? You know, hopefully I'm going to start my own podcast here. Okay. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I am going to start trying to build my brand Mm. on social media. That's one thing. It's like I do it every day for for clients, so I struggle doing it for myself. Mm. But I do think there's some cool and interesting things I can talk about. And I've had a lot of people ask me like, Marilyn, why don't you post more? It's been a year. Mm. (laughs) Okay, you're right. I've got to do it. So my goal before the end of the year is to just build my brand personally. Yeah. Yeah. And then hopefully, you know, a podcast in the future. I have a few, like an idea for that. So awesome. Well, we'll thank see. you for talking with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that was a, it was a ton of fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, you can support this podcast by leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.